Well, good morning and welcome to worship. That is my favorite choral piece ever of all time. I love it. Um, we are so glad that you are here today to worship with us. And we just ask that if you have any prayer requests or any prayer needs, you fill those out on the blue card. And at the end of the service, you'll be able to pass those in. But if you're a guest, we want to welcome you. We ask that you fill out that same blue card. And at the end of the service, you can see, um, meet our pastor, Brother Stewart, in the back. And he has a gift for you, um, his book, The Privilege of Worship. And we are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning, our risen Savior and King. Pray with me this morning. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that we have the opportunity to come and just to praise and worship you through song and through your word this morning, God. God, we thank you that you paid the ultimate price, the sacrifice on the cross with the blood, with your blood that was shed for me and for those in this room, God, and all across the globe. Lord, we pray that if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know you, God, we pray that today would be the day of salvation, Father, that they would recognize their need for you and that they would say, yes, Lord, I accept you and I want to follow you and have a relationship with you because that's what you desire from us, God. Lord, just continue to help us to worship this morning and that we would lay everything at your feet this morning, God. We wouldn't be distracted of all the things that are going on in our hearts and our lives, God. But we would just truly worship you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Won't you stand with us and worship? We've sung about the blood on the cross that gives us reason to celebrate and shout Hosanna this morning. Let's do that together. Sing this praise Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring. Hope is stirring. Eyes are When we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed. Let's sing together. Hosanna. 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 You are the God who saves. Yeah. 
see It's where we see you We find strength to face the day In your presence All our fears They're washed away They're washed away Sing church Hosanna Hosanna You are the God Who saves us Worthy of all our praises Hosanna Hosanna Come have your way among us We welcome you here, Lord Jesus Cause when we see, when we see you We find strength to face today In your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. It's worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, This morning we get to sing of that together. Let's sing this. As your name, the mountains shake and crumble. As your name, the oceans roar and tumble. At your name, as your name. Angels will bow, the earth will rejoice, your people cry out. Let's lift this up, Lord. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh. We love to shout your name, Lord, Lord. Sing together at your name, at your name. The morning breaks in glory. At your name, creation sings your story. Oh, at your name, at your name, angels will. 
Father, how marvelous and wonderful it is for us to be here in your house today, O oh Lord. We're so grateful to be able to be here. Thank you, O oh Heavenly Father, that we're so grateful for your love and the many blessings you've given us as we go through each day. Heavenly Father, thank you for all of those that commit their time to lead us in the services like this and music, message, and our sermon today. We're so grateful for that. And Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the many who have volunteered their time to lead us in Sunday school classes and Wednesday night and, and Sunday night classes. Oh Lord, we're so grateful for that. Be with them, give them the wisdom and the ability to uh, share your word with others in a very glorifying way. Heavenly Father, be with those that are not here today. Let them know they're missed, they're loved, and help us to do our best to stay connected with them. Let them know that we miss them and we're here for them and we try to worship together with them in any way possible. Be with those that today that are planning during the week, especially those that are in teaching and education and in their jobs. Help them to give them peace, O oh Lord, give them 
wisdom and the courage to live a life that will be without distractions in terms of knowing you and saying things that will honor you. Heavenly Father, be with these tithes and offerings today. Help us use them to the best of your ability. In your name we ask. Amen.
Thank you, Cameron. The Lord has really blessed us with being able to have uh, excellent guys leading us in worship during this time of transition, and uh, it's great to have Cameron Weatherford with us uh, today. Cameron is uh, all but dissertation from University of Kentucky in choral conducting, uh, taking over the music uh, department over at Louisiana College, and so we're blessed to have Cameron with us this week and next week as we worship together. We're continuing our series this morning on John, uh, Jesus, who are you, is the question that we're getting to encounter as we go through this series, and we're going today be in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You know that words have power, right? Words have power. I mean, think about some words that you know. Stop, or peace, or I love you, or I do, or you're hired, you're fired. <laughs> Words have power. Words can change us, they can influence us, they can motivate us, they can crush us, they can encourage us. Words build marriages, they destroy marriages. <laughs> words speak life, words speak death. Words break hearts, words heal hearts. Words have power. In fact, I want you to think for a moment this morning about uh, the most powerful word that was ever spoken to you personally. The most powerful word or words, it might be a phrase, but the most powerful word that was ever spoken to you. It may have been positive, it may have been negative, it may have really helped you, it may have really hurt you. Can you think of what that was, the most powerful word ever spoken to you? Now, as powerful as that word was, and as much as it's still ingrained in your DNA and it is there, that word or those words are impotent compared to the word that we're going to encounter this morning. Today, we are going to meet Jesus, the word. Eternal, divine, and creator. And we're going to see that no words have power like the word has power. No words have power like the word has power. In fact, I want you to say that with me this morning. No words have power like the word has power. As we get to know Jesus as the word, we're going to glean some truths that will remind us that that truth is true. That no words have power like the word has power. So here in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 
4, with these verses, we are launched into John's gospel. If you weren't here last week, we started the series at the end of the book with John's purpose, and now we're jumping back in at the beginning in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, with the prologue. Verses 1 through 18 form this, what we call the prologue to John's gospel. And it's interesting, no other gospel begins with a prologue. Matthew begins with a genealogy of Jesus. Uh, Mark begins telling us about John the Baptist as a messenger ahead of Jesus. Luke begins with a little note to the guy he was, he was writing his gospel to, Theophilus. But John begins with a brilliant, poetic, theological prologue. In fact, it's so poetic and so beautiful that some scholars have thought that parts of it, if not all of it, were actually an early hymn of the early church. Today, we're going to just focus on verses 1 through 4. I told you last week it's going to take us several weeks just to get through the prologue. And I want to read those verses together. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was God, and the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Words have power. But the word has ultimate power. In these short verses, John declares to us at least three incredible truths. The first is that Jesus is eternal with God. John begins, in the beginning was the word. Not only is John unique in beginning his gospel with a prologue, but he's also unique in his starting point. Matthew, in that genealogy I mentioned, journeys back to Abraham. Mark begins on the banks of the Jordan River during Jesus's lifetime. Luke goes back the farthest through a genealogy all the way back to Adam, the very first man. But John goes back even farther. He goes before it all, before everything, before anything, all the way back to in the beginning, whenever that was. Therefore, John begins his gospel the same way the entire Bible begins, in the beginning. Like Moses, who we believe penned uh, Genesis uh, 1-1, John doesn't argue that point. He doesn't drop a footnote to explain what was going on in the beginning or what it was like in the beginning or, or what things looked like in the beginning. He, he doesn't do anything. He just states the truth and he goes from there. So John, like Moses, simply declares the fact. Moses said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John says, in the beginning was the word. And that statement is just as vital as the one Moses wrote in Genesis 1.1. You see, these 1.1s are important to biblical faith. If you get Genesis 1.1 right, you get the entire Bible right. But if you get Genesis 1-1 wrong, you get the entire Bible wrong. Because you see, if you don't believe God created everything, you can't believe the rest of this book. Likewise, if you get John 1-1 right, 
in the beginning was the word, you get Jesus right. But if you get John 1-1 wrong, you get Jesus wrong. So what is John trying to tell us? He's telling us that Jesus is eternal with God. But you might ask, but John's not even mentioned. John says the word. He doesn't use Jesus' name. But when John says the word, he means Jesus, at least in the prologue. And I want to take you on a little journey of how he got there. This idea of the word among both Greeks and Jews captured the concept that God could have no immediate contact with humans. That's where those people believed. But Jews and Greeks believed, both Jews and Greeks believed that God was far removed from them. For the Jew, God was transcendent. He was God most high, who was exalted above the heavens. God was therefore too far above human life to be reached by any direct method of approach. And so we're reminded of this fact by his covenant name, Yahweh, which we sang this morning, but no Jew would ever speak it. Because they would, they reviewed it, saw it as so sacred that whenever they even came to the word in their reading of scripture, they wouldn't say Yahweh, they would replace it with Adonai, meaning Lord. Because God was so transcendent, Jews had to devise some concept that could bring the transcendent God in touch with humanity. And so they bridged that chasm with this idea of the word. But this word was not a person. It was simply a mediating principle or a mediating concept. And so in the word, the Jews had a concept of God, but they didn't have God. The Greeks were kind of similar. They came to the same idea, but in a different way. They regarded all matter as inherently evil. So all of us are evil. And the Greeks assumed then that there was this supreme spirit supervising the natural order, but they could not fathom that a pure spirit would have anything to do with evil matter. Yet some kind of connection had to be made. So Greek philosophy posited the idea of the logos or the word by which God made contact with material universe. And so in this word, the Greeks, like the Jews, had a concept of God, but they didn't have God. And so this is what John does in his prologue. John takes the Jew and he takes the Greek and he puts his arms around them and he says, guys, let me show you something. This word that you both talk about just isn't a concept. Friends, he's a person. And he's not just any person. He is Jesus Christ. He is God in flesh. I know this is going to blow your mind, but you can know God. Jews, he's not so transcendent that he can't have a relationship with you. Greeks, even though he is absolutely pure, he comes down to get to know you. In fact, Jews, he's come down to know you. And Greeks, he's come to deal with that evil matter of sin. This word that you both talk about, he's Jesus. And so John makes the impersonal personal. He takes the cosmic transcendent God and says, here he is. You can know him. There's a lot of power 
in Jesus as the Word. In fact, the Word of God in the Old Testament denotes God in action, especially in creation and revelation and deliverance. And we're going to see all of those actions as we journey through John's gospel, creation, deliverance, and revelation. What's interesting, though, is that for all of this emphasis on the word in the prologue, John never uses the word again in the rest of his gospel. It's all up front. It's all in the prologue. And I think that's intentional. Because once John establishes Jesus as the Word of God, he simply demonstrates that Jesus is the Word of God all the way through the gospel, through his authority and his power. And because words have power, but the Word has ultimate power. Jesus is eternal with God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Those words are significant. The was. In fact... That verb is imperfect in the original language. And so the translation is literally was continuing. So we might say in the beginning was continuing the word. And the word was continuing with God. And the word was continually God. Jesus, the word, always was. He is timeless. Someone has said he always was wasing. He's always been. There never was a time when the word was not. The word was established in eternity past. No word has power like the word has power because Jesus is eternal with God. But John doesn't stop there. There's more. He says that Jesus is equal with God. The word was with God and the word was God. Again, the verbs are imperfect, so you have the idea of continually was with God, continually was God. But in these statements, we get an incredible picture of Jesus and his equality with God. With God, that phrase there translates a Greek phrase, pros ton theon, pros ton theon. This is the idea of face to face with God. It entails both quality and intimacy. I believe it's Herschel Hobbes that explains it this way. He said, in ancient times, what had to happen, if you were uh, hosting two guests of equal rank, you had to make sure that they were eye to eye. So if you invited these folks over to your house and one was short and one was tall, you would bring them into your dining room and you'd put some pillows down for the short guy to sit on so he'd be the same height as the tall guy. When I was a kid, it was the JCPenney and Sears catalog. But you put them to where they're looking eye to eye because no one could look down on someone else and no one could look up to someone else if they were equal. And so John says here that Jesus is pros face to face with God. He is equal. So John says that the word is pros ton theon. He is equal with God. He is face to face with God. So Christ is not a lesser created being with God. He is God. And if we miss that, he says the word was God. He wasn't just equal, you see. He was God. The word is not a concept. The word is a person. The word is Jesus and Jesus is God. Jesus has the same characteristics. Jesus does the same stuff. And Jesus would later say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Jesus the Word is God in essence and in character. He was God in every way, though he is a separate person from God the Father. And so the phrase perfectly preserves Jesus' separate identity while also stating that he is God. John wants his whole gospel read in light of these early verses. The work of Jesus is the work of God. The words of Jesus are the words of God. The presence of Jesus is the presence of God. And so here again, we have another amazing uniqueness of John's gospel. Each one of the gospels presents Christ with a distinctive kind of emphasis. Uh, Matthew emphasizes his kingship. Mark emphasizes his servanthood. Luke emphasizes his manhood. But John emphasizes his godhood. Now certainly all of the gospels teach all of those things. But they all pick something that they really highlight. And for John, it's his godhood of Jesus. So we find John saying here, Jesus is equal with God. And he'll demonstrate that throughout the gospel. As I told you last week, when you get to the cross in John's gospel, you know Jesus can't stay dead. There's no way. Because you've walked with him and you've seen that he is the word of God and no words have power like the word has power. And that's because Jesus is equal with God. The crowd may yell crucify, but Jesus takes authority when he cries out, it is finished. He's in charge. Their plot to finish the word would only be the beginning of him accomplishing his word. It's an amazing thing. Jesus is equal with God. But John goes on. He says Jesus is creator with God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The word was in creation. When God spoke, the word spoke. Jesus spoke. God is the creator. Jesus is the creator. When we look at Genesis 1-1 and the creation account that's there, we discover that each new phase of God's creative activity began with the word of God. Remember? And God said, boom. And we find repeatedly the spoken word, this logos of God moving forth with power. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, and it was so. And each day of creation begins with, and God said. God spoke creation into being. Consider Psalm 33 verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host By the breath of his mouth. And John tells us that this powerful word is the word, Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The verb was made in the original language refers to something which once did not exist and then it came into being. It wasn't like worked on. It was just not there and then it was there. And is that not what we read in Genesis 1-1? God said, and it was. There is awesome power in that. We humans can do some amazing things. We can create a painting masterpiece. We can build beautiful structures. We design amazing machinery, but it takes us days and weeks and months, even years to do so. Steve Jobs did not wake up one day and say, let there be an iPhone, and there was an iPhone. 
Now, he may have told his people, let there be an iPhone. And some months later, there was an iPhone. But even that creative genius mind can't speak stuff into creation. But God did. Jesus did. Jesus is creator with God. The Apostle Paul adds an additional dimension for us when he says in Colossians, For by him all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. Remember that from Colossians 1? Not only did Jesus create the universe, but he also holds it together. Christ holds the universe together as a cosmos rather than allowing us to have chaos. Now, we can state that and say, okay. But if you really think about it, you'll say, wow. So let's think about it. We have the solar eclipse tomorrow. And uh, we've been learning about that uh, at our house since before any of y'all knew about it. Because Zach's known about it for like months. And um, so we've already been thinking about stellar things, right? Think about this. I found this, somebody written out. There are about 100 billion stars in the average galaxy There are at least 100 million galaxies in known space. Einstein believed that we have scanned with our largest telescopes only one billionth of theoretical space. This means that there are probably something like 10 octillion stars in space. How many is that? Well, let's work up to it. A thousand thousands is a million. A thousand million is a billion. A thousand billions is a trillion. A thousand trillions is a quadrillion. A thousand quadrillions is a... Quintillion, a thousand quintillions is a sextillion, a thousand sextillions is a septillion, and a thousand septillions is one octillion. So 10 octillion is a 10 with 27 zeros behind it. And that's probably how many stars are in space, and yet we really don't know. And Jesus created them all and he holds them all together now do you say okay or do you say wow and then you get to verse 4 in him was life and that life was the light of men as the creator Jesus is the source of light and Life. Not only does he speak life, but he gives life through his light. We're going to talk about him being the light of the world later on in this series. But things die without light. But Jesus is the one who brings us both life and light. And here's where the real life application comes in this morning. What I've shared today is, is some interesting doctrinal facts, but what is the take home? I think it's this. You can trust Jesus for everything and with everything because no words have power like the word has power. If he can hold the universe together, then surely he can deal with you and me. Why is that? Well, allow me to explain. Because Jesus has always been, because he's eternal with God, there's nothing under the sun new to him. He's been there. He's done that. He's seen that. He's defeated that. There's nothing new under the sun. So are you going through a difficult time? He's been there. Are you faced with temptation? He's been there. 
Are you struggling with the decision? He's been there. Are you wondering what to do next in life? He's been there. No matter what your struggle, what your situation, what your challenge, there's nothing new under the sun to Jesus because he's always been. So if it's ever happened, if it's ever been thought, he's seen it. But get this, because he's always been, he always will be. That means he's with you right now. He's right here today. So reach out, look to him, fix your eyes on him. I want us to read some scriptures together out loud and reflect upon this wonderful truth of, of God and Jesus. Psalm 119, 89 and 90. Read this with me. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Is he just for the people of the past? Is he just for your grandma and grandpa? It's for all generations. And that word is eternal. Next, Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. When does it stand? Forever. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. When will they pass away? Never. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. For all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Friends, Jesus has always been. There's nothing new under the sun to him. He's faithful. He's present. So look to him because no words have power like the word has power. Second truth to take home, because Jesus is God, because he's equal with God, he has the power to do whatever, whenever, however. God's word has power and Jesus is the word, so Jesus has power. Read with me this awesome passage from God's word, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Don't you want the word of God spoken in your life? Jeremiah 23, 29, I like this. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Whew. When God speaks, it happens. When God says jump, nobody asks how high. It just starts jumping as high as it can. God's word has power. He has power to do whatever, whenever, however, because no words have power like the word has power. Third take home truth. Because Jesus is the creator, the creator with God, he knows just what you need. Whatever you need, wherever you need it, whenever you need it, however you need it, Jesus has the power to do it. Consider what David says in 2 Samuel. This is 22, 29 through 37. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. 
For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. It tells me Jesus is pretty involved in life. Jesus knows just what you need. Walking along a high place, strength, encouragement, protection, whatever it is you need, Jesus knows it and can do it. If you're empty, he can fill you up. If you're in chaos, he can bring order. If you're in defeat, he can bring victory. He knows what you need and will provide it if you will submit to him. Consider this, Psalm 107, verse 20. Let's read this together. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. God's word is going forth today into your life and into my life. So do you need a word from God? Jesus is the word of God. Do you need the presence of God? Jesus is eternal with God. Do you need a movement of God? Jesus is creator with God. You need Jesus today. You need the word. This week I was praying through an issue and um, in my quiet time and the Lord gave me some words of direction and hope and the word of, of God was just very real to me and I needed that. Someone else could have said it. In fact, others had said those same kind of things other times, but no words have the power like the word has power. So look to Jesus today. Don't leave this room without being right with him. Because you need him and I need him because he has power. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word, that you are the word. And Lord, in this moment, we come before you and we seek your face and we ask God that you would move in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, there are people in this room who today need to trust you as their Lord and Savior. They have never before come to the point in their life where they realize their need for you. And so God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, there are others who um, are struggling with different things and God, they need a word from you today. They need a word that, uh, that says, I've, I've got it or I'm handling it or I'm gonna get you through this or I'm gonna lift you up. Lord, maybe they need a word of healing. Maybe they need a word of victory. Maybe they need an answer for what's coming next. They need a word of provision. God, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you would speak that truth of that word into their lives. Jesus, we know that you are present with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so through that same spirit, we ask that you would speak the words of life to us. Some salvation, some healing, some direction, some deliverance. But whatever it is, speak in these moments. We give you our lives at this time. And I pray for those who need to make public decisions this morning that they would have the courage to step forward, come forward, and let that decision be known. This is your time. We give you ourselves and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand and sing, may this be a song of worship. May this be a time of commitment for all of us.